you know, in thinking about what today, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's easy to just go, oh, we'll just talk about baby Jesus, you know, it's that time and that's cool, but and more and more in my relationship with him now, it's, I don't want to just talk about that because it's the time when I get a living word and get a word that has life because that's the word that shifts us. Um, and I felt he just wanted me to talk about him. Um, but specifically around the statements that he makes about himself. Because in the book of John, Jesus makes these profound statements. And he says, I am. And he lists a number of things. And I want us to go through those seven things today and just unpack each one just a little bit. And my hope is that after I've spoken, you'll know him more than what you did when you walked in. If you have no reference point for him, you may have a reference point for him. And if you know him well, it will just be more edified and encouraged through living manner, chewing on him. Uh, he's not a dead God. He's not found in anything carved out by human hands. He's not in a statue. Uh, nothing can contain him. You can't create a building for him and put him in a little box or a building like this. He says, you know, I'm outside of you, and I'm outside of your ability to create me. I am me. He said, I am the Alpha, I am the Omega, I am the beginning and the end. I always have been, I always will be. And I created you for a very specific purpose. But let me tell you about me. That's what I felt like he, he wanted us to, to look at today. And um, just come with me to Isaiah 7. Verse 14, felt led to go here this morning just very firstly. Isaiah 7 verses 14. How many people know that there were at least, at least 350 prophecies written about Christ before he ever was, although he was at the beginning, before he ever was in the physical? So before he ever came physically, there were at least 350 prophetic prophecies foretold about him which are contained in here and he fulfilled all of them this is one of the ways in which we know he is because he actually fulfilled everything written about him there are prophecies still already written contained in the bible that he will fulfill when he returns do you know the odds of fulfilling eight prophecies let me tell you what the odds are of fulfilling eight prophecies okay that's one, and here are the zeros. Zero, 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 zero. Those were the chances of eight prophetic words being fulfilled. He fulfilled 350 plus. And this was one of them that I'm about to read out here in Isaiah 7.14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. We sung about that today. Emmanuel means God with us. I'm going to give you a sign. Hey, planet Earth, I'm going to send you a sign to show you myself. God shows us many, many signs, doesn't he? We have come up with our own theories and our own strategies to try and rationalize him away. 
We've come up with our own religions to rationalize him away, but God will always be God. And God is who he said he is. And God gave us a sign in the form of a, vir- a virgin birth, a, a, a boy that would be born through a virgin. Is that possible humanly? No. So it's a supernatural sign as well, isn't it? See, the God that I have come to know and are coming to know, what I'm discovering more about him is he's so supernatural and so outside of my ability to create and do things. It's phenomenal. And it's amazing that that God is with me. So God with us, Emmanuel, the supernatural God that creates human life inside the womb of a virgin. And as we know, this, this child is born and life would never be the same. He came with a completely new order. He said, you've, had a, you've heard it said, but I say it this. So when Jesus rocked up, he rocked up with a greater reality of his kingdom come through him because he was the very thing himself. So God sent his son to be born into a virgin for you and I as a sign If you're here today and you do not yet know him, that was for you. God loves you so much as an individual that that was for you. You may not have experienced love, but that is love for you and I. That he would send his son supernaturally into the world, untouched, and be born to a virgin. And that young boy would grow. And the Bible says he would grow in favor and stature with his father and with men. And he would bring a reality and he would lay hands on people that were born blind, couldn't speak. Maybe they'd become like that. They were lame. And he, out of love, he would go and he would touch and he would speak life and he would see supernatural things happen through his own very life. He is God. The Bible teaches us that. He is God, was with God at the beginning. And the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are in perfect union with one another. And they are one. And they invite us to be one with them. Jesus prayed, I pray in John 17 that my people would be one as we are one. And he made these incredible statements about himself. Now, Jesus is an absolute nutcase, which he could have been, or he was telling the truth. You can't have any messing of those two things. He either was a nutcase and was out of his mind and said a whole lot of things about himself that weren't true, or he was who he said he was. And as human beings, we have to discover whether he was a nutcase or whether he actually was what he said he was. To not go to either one of those camps would be a disservice to you as an individual. To not ask the questions that Pilate asked, what is truth? To not actually ask questions in relation to why you are here and the purpose for you is doing you a disservice, let me tell you. There is a life to be discovered today, right now, that not only is for today, but is for eternity. And our future is at stake. But the life we can experience today is also at stake. And to casually go through life 
being consumed with all the things that will consume you if you're not intentional about seeking him out? Trust me, you will be consumed by something. It'll either be these. It'll be people. It'll be money. It'll be ministry. It'll be position and titles and trying to make it in the world. It'll be education. You will consume yourself with something because you are wired to worship something. We are all created to worship something. It's just who is that thing or what is that thing we worship. For many years, I worshipped football. It was in me, in my blood. I grew up with it. I played it. I played competitively. It was our family home, our culture. I was born, my father wrapped a red scarf around my neck as soon as I was born so I couldn't be an Evertonian. I was a Liverpudlian. <laughs> red was the only colour. And I was consumed. And I love football still, but I've been redefined, realigned by greater love. Hear me, you will worship something. It may even be yourself. But none of those things you worship will bring you life. None of those things will bring you meaning and purpose. And we all are looking for meaning and purpose, aren't we? Humans without meaning and purpose die. And yet he promises. He says, I am the way, the life, and the truth. He says, it's me. John 14, 6. He says, you're looking at life. That's why I've come. My father is life. He created life. And so you could see life. I've come physically into this world to walk among you, God with us, Emmanuel, to touch you, to show you what another world and reality looks like and can be like. He's phenomenal. And yet, we can be so caught up in our own traditions, we miss him. You know, I was in a cafe during the week, and you know, my cafe I work at, it's called, I love it, it's called my coffers. I've, uh, I've nicked that one, I heard that one, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a place where you get coffee, but it becomes your office. So it's, uh, it's my coffers. And, uh, you know, in, in this, in this, in my office, um, people are having, Christmas lunches and breakfasts and works. And, and all I can hear about is presents, holidays, time off, anything. I'm listening. Is anyone going to mention anything about why? No. Do you know what? That could be us. We spend more time celebrating with family than we do with Christ. We can be more excited about presents than we are by the one who actually is what it's all about, can't we? Because our traditions can actually take over. And those things aren't wrong as long as they're not consuming me. As long as they're not what it's about. And the Bible says, and Paul warned us that actually he said, I'm afraid that you guys, you guys have been deceived in your minds from the relationship with Jesus. From the simplicity and the purest of devotions to the one. You've got entangled. And you've got parts of him and you've taken it out of him and now that's become God. It's like healing, you know. There are ministries set up for healing and we lose the healer in it. And we disconnect them somehow. And so now it's all about that rather than being all about him. And Jesus warned the Pharisees, he said, you guys, you're more concerned with your tradition than you are the commandments. 
And that's why I wanted to remind you today of who he is. I want you to hear how phenomenal he is so we will never get caught up in the wrong thing. We'll never get caught up in a part of him but not the whole of him. Because I don't know, it's so easy to do. Have you found that? It's so easy to get caught up in the part but not the person. It's so easy to get caught up in the principle but not the person. Why? Because everyone's chasing the principle. Everyone's chasing. There seems to be everyone's chasing these things. Every conversation I had was all about presents, holidays, time out, booze, getting drunk. It's fascinating how the world celebrates something they don't believe in. But they'll do it anyway because it suits them. Are we the same? I hope we're not. Because there is a person to be found. He says, I am the way, the truth, and life. He says, I am the bread of life. John 6, 35. I'm the bread of life. And then he gives us this phenomenal promise. But there's something we must participate in. So he says, I am the bread of life. He says, he who believes in me will never go hungry. And he who comes to me will never be thirsty. See, there's a credible promise. But it demands something of us. See, it's participation leads you into the promise. So you can be told about promises but never receive the promise. So you can know all the promises, you're just not living in the promises, but you have to live from the promises. That would be criminal, wouldn't it? To know of a reality but not partake of the reality that was for you. Plenty of Christians, they're able to speak promises, but they're not living in the promise. So it's empty, it's void. And Jesus is saying here, I am the bread of life. I know that you need food. I know that you need roast turkeys and roast spuds and all those good things, Christmas pudding and cream and custard, if you're like me, and you mix it up. I know you need that stuff. So far, I've resisted. But I'm feeling the urge. Because I know you need the basic commodities of life. I'm more than that. What? Yeah, by the way, I'll throw in I'm shelter and I'm clothing too. I am the bread of life. I am water. And if you would come to me, what does it mean to come to him? Where you'd receive this? Where you would never, ever be thirsty. Never be hungry. Because Jesus has completed that fleshly need. Now hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying you don't need to eat food. What I am saying is in Jesus Christ, God, the person, there is a realm in the spirit that completes us. We will no longer hunger and thirst to be known, to feel secure, to want to be somebody that I'm not, to go after all the things that the world says I need, like iPads and iPhones and this and that and the latest of this and the latest clothing and you better make sure you get this car and you better make sure you get that. Oh man, I better find a husband or a wife because I don't want to be left on the shelf. Then I've got to have kids because that's what we do. Because then you know that's a blessing. What's wrong with you? You haven't got kids yet. Go away. He said, I am the bread of life. This is just one out of the seven. There's seven of these things. Unbelievable. 
Come here to John 8, verse 12. I'm just going to hang in John. John's an awesome book. If you've never read the Bible, read the book of John. You find a lot out about this man, Jesus, and John. But he wants us not to know about him. He wants us to know him. So if you're taking notes, uh, John 6.35 was the bread and the thirsty one. And once again, there's a, there's a promise. So Jesus is making a statement about himself and then he promises us a reality. And as a follower, I want the reality that he says is true. Anyone else? Because it says that in that, just before we get to the other one, it says I've got to believe. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. And he who believes in me. Do we believe? Do we have a living conviction? I don't mean a casual. There's nothing casual about following Jesus. He'll call you. I was sharing with Mark before. I said, he's going to call you for your all. There's nothing casual about his version of himself. We've created a casual version. It's called churchianity. looks beautiful. It's wrapped up with polish. looks like the gifts we unpacked. It's just some of it's void and empty. It's next. You find that? Find that with my kids. Well, that's a cool present. Next. That's a cool present. Next. That's a cool present. Next. Got any more presents? Well, what about the other ten you just had? What? Oh, yeah, they were cool, but where's the next one? It's human nature, isn't it? He will meet that. You find the present, him, that goes away. Then he makes this crazy statement about himself in John 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He says, I am the light. I know that to be true because I've had light in my room in 1990. I made my commitment in 97, 1991 in Dunedin at three o'clock in the morning. I had light in my room. I'm a non-follower. I'd seen the testimony of a man who I now know personally. And I got on my knees and I said, if you're real, like this fellow on the tally says you're real, come. And Ian was talking all about light and love. And Jesus came in the form of what I'd heard, light. And I, my whole room is full of light. And it's three o'clock in the morning in Dunedin, and the house is built into the side of a hill. And that's where my bedroom was. So I opened the curtain, I saw the hill. And there's a gap between that, between the window and the hill. So there wasn't some guy out there with a torch shining lights at three o'clock in the morning. Do you know what that does to you, your faith? You believe he says, Greg, you called from your heart. I heard. I came. I crapped myself. <laughs> Literally. I'm like, oh my God. You're real. Uh, yeah. I heard some. And I'm real. And I'm come to demonstrate, I am the light of the world. It's me. I hold it. I embody it. 
that comes out of me. And then he says this once again, this incredible thing, because he is phenomenal. He's never in question. It's me and my, my following him. He says, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In him, John 1.4, was life, and that life is the light of men. If you don't know him, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God has sent into us to be the light of the world. And Jesus is saying, in Christ there is life, and that life is the light. So Christ in me is the light that others see. He says, if you follow me, son, you'll never walk in darkness. You know when you walk in darkness, you trip up. When you can't see where you're going, do you know what you do? You stand on crabs at Plymouth Beach. And they bite and they hurt. <laughs> Two days ago, we had a phenomenal time. What's with this Wellington weather? Isn't it awesome? I'm praying it continues. I'm praying, Lord, keep the sun right there. Just over Camborne, 18B, right there on that deck. You can move it a little bit because by 2 o'clock it fades, but that would be good. Just move the house. <laughs> but I couldn't see. And so as I'm walking... I didn't know, stood on, I reckon it was a pretty huge crab, you know, <laughs> massive crab. He thought, and bang, it was like someone took a needle and whacked it about a centimeter into my heel. Oh! Why? Because I couldn't see. And there's a consequence of not being able to see where you're going. You stood on something and that thing, that crab went bang and nailed you. And that hurt. Now, the consequences of that were just like a little bit of a, oh, man, that. And my hair was bleeding. There are witnesses, okay? <laughs> didn't need to go in A&E. Didn't have to call up Dave Huntley. But anyway, you know, it was like, look at that. Look at that. We know. <laughs> By about half an hour, it was okay. A little bit sore. little consequence. But, you know, when you walk in darkness, there are greater consequences than that. That was a light consequence. And Jesus says, if you follow me, you'll never walk in darkness, so you'll have the light of life. You'll see things, experience things. You'll have a life in you that others don't have. Why? Because they're not choosing to follow me. What does it mean to follow him? He said, come follow me. And if we know him at some point, we've all said, yes, Lord. But how close are we to him? Are you here today? I'm Jesus. Are you here with him? Or are you somewhere in Whangarei at the moment? Maybe you're in Australia. Where's and what does the gap look like? Because following someone, doesn't that mean following? If you get too far away, you get lost. Where'd he go? Man, when I was in India and we were in the slum area and with 80,000 people in about one and a half kilometers of land in a square mass and it was just shacks and just, they were just iron sheds. And the, it was like being in a labyrinth. And it was like you had a pathway of about this to walk through. And there's these, well, they called them dogs. They look like aliens. You know, if you can imagine what that looks like. I'm like, man. And so you're walking along. You don't want to get bit one of those. And your tour guide is just like this. And if you lose him, forget about it. You ain't getting out of there. And the stench... And what I saw, you know, I had to keep close to the guide. 
And we weren't just casually walking. He's off because he knows where he's going. I don't. And if I get lost or there's too great a gap, I'm stuffed. Jesus says this, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will never walk in darkness. You'll only ever have the light of life. That's number two. John 10, number nine. John 10, nine. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus would constantly use metaphors, analogies to talk about a reality so people could relate. So he says, look, I'm a door. You know, when you come into my place, you walk through the door. Unless you are Jesus, then don't worry, just walk straight through. But there's a door and you walk in the door and then there's life inside the Simnor home. We had some people around our place after the dinner. I said, and I said, this is what's, what's ours is yours. Help yourself to the fridge, help yourself to whatever you want, chill out, relax. They walked through our front door and entered into the life of the Simnors. And they get to experience the life of our home. They get to hear a little bit of, Madeline and Lily, what are you doing? <laughs> Layla, outside! <laughs> Would you like a beer with that or a wine? <laughs> and we see Jesus say, I'm the door. And anyone, let me read it again, enters through me. He or she will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. What does it mean to be saved? Well, it has a double meaning. Because as the church, we are being saved unto salvation. We're being transformed. And then there is a justified state where I make a commitment and by his blood, I'm now justified by his blood. Just as if I'd never sinned, I'm now made whole. And mankind needs to be justified by his blood because we are all sinners. We are all wretched sinners. Don't let the good looks and the clothing fool you. I want to do what I want to do. That's what got me walking in darkness. That's what got me with a consequence of having a marriage breakup as a non-Christian that didn't work out. Because why? Because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. Now, God is phenomenal, and he restores things. And this is what I've discovered, that I'm the way, I am the life, I am the light. And son, if you'll follow me, I'll restore your life and give you back the things that you've messed up. And so I have a beautiful wife that sits here today. I have two beautiful children. We've been married for 14 years. And that other person literally is like a good friend. That's not me. So I know that was me, but it's like, He's, take, he's healed my heart so much that that's like a good mate that I know of that went through that. But that's not me. That's the Jesus that I've come to know in my heart and my mind. He said, God, son, I didn't just want to save you from your sin. I wanted to take you and bring you back into the position that you were created for called royalty and sonship. I wanted to take you from this position of not knowing me 
And through the power of my spirit and my love and my life and through you coming to know me, I'm going to lead you back into a rightful position that I always had that every single person has been created for. Do you want that? Yes, then this is what it's going to mean. You need to start following me different than the way you've been leading your life. You need to make choices that you don't want or haven't wanted to make. You need to make them now. But it's okay because my love's going to empower that. And I'm going to give you my power to make those choices so you're able to do what I'm asking you to do. Is that cool or what? See, God is with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. There is nothing that can separate mankind from God. Once we have invited him, asked him, said, Lord, I'm sick and tired of trying to be God of my own life and Lord of my own life. It got me in darkness. It got me in brokenness. And today's the day I bow my will, which is the, one of the strongest things God has given us. Our will, our choice, our freedom of choice to choose him. And Lord, I want to be reconciled to you today. So I ask you to cleanse me of me. I ask you to cleanse me of my imperfect nature that is not you. You love me in that state. That's why you turned up. So Father, I want to receive this free gift called your son's life. His blood over my dysfunctional, imperfect life that wants to be the God of self and live for self. And I'm giving you my heart and my mind. I did that in 1997. I got saved at the age of 29. I'm now 46. I've been walking with him for 17 amazing years. My new marriage or my, 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 what I really call my real marriage, you know, that's just one testimony. I could tell you about healing. I could tell you about seeing my father healed. I could tell you about laying hands on a woman who was cancer and she was going to die and I laid hands on her and she was healed instantly. She rang me up bawling her eyes out the next day. I could tell you story after story after story of the life that he has given and is in me today and is continuing because it's not just, it doesn't end, it's a lifetime through making a decision to get saved. If you have not yet got yourself saved, got yourself reconciled back to him, I would love to pray with you at the end of this and make that a reality because we do need to be saved. And Jesus said, I am the door. If you come through me, you will be saved. But then he says this, what? You're going to go out and you're going to find pasture. What that means is you're going to find life of an abundance that you've never tasted and never had. You're going to find a reality in him, him alone, his way. See, so often we want, yeah, give me the life, but now I want the life my way. No. If we want the life that he offers, it's his way or no way. But I promise you, like he promises, if you will participate with me, in me, my way, there is a life of abundance to be discovered. And I have a measure of testimony that I can share with you about that life. Because I was broken in 1997. But Psalm 40, I remember reading, says this. It says, I lifted you. I heard your cry. And I lifted you out of the miry clay. 
quicksand, whatever you want to call it, man, it was miry. And I put you on a rock. Boom. He says, I am the rock. So he put me on his son for the first time in my life. I had the foundation of God in my life that I never had before. He said, son, now I'm going to put a new song in your heart. And you're going to sing of another reality and a life that you have not yet known, even though you have been brought up in a loving home with two amazing parents and got two awesome brothers. You still haven't tasted this. Follow him, guys, and follow him close. Don't let there be a gap between you and him. Don't get ahead of him. (laughs) Sit on his shoulder. And you'll find this incredible life. John 11, 25. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, there's that word believe again, will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So I believe that's the question he's asking us today. He asked it to Martha, who is in this story. But I believe he's asking that to mankind. Now once again, (laughs) it is fully possible to have that promise in you, which creates such a life that quenches the fear of death. If you're afraid to die today, Can I encourage you and tell you, in Christ there is no death. So I want to encourage you to seek and ask for the revelation of that promise in your heart because the revelation of that promise takes away the fear of the thing that grips all of mankind. The reason why we live for ourselves so much is because we're in fear of death. We want to control it all because we know we've only got so many hours here, years here. So I've got to make the most of my mark. And this Jesus fellow, he's asking me to give my life away and follow him. Flat that. Doesn't he know I've got to make the most of my mark? Don't you know he gave you your mark? (laughs) If he takes away the mark, you don't exist. It's funny, eh, when you think about it, how none of us got here by our own choices. And yet we want to control our lives. But you don't exist, Greg, because of you. You only exist because of me. Oh. I don't know if I like that, Tim. Because I have all these things I want to do. He goes, yeah, that's great. And I have all these things I want for you. And I want to see accomplished in you and through you for my glory. And you have a choice, son, as to which one you're going to do. But let me tell you this. Those that follow me, put their promise in me, you will live even when you physically pass away. So if we are in Christ, there is no death. My father, who died away six years ago, is in the presence of the Lord. He's actually in his rightful place. And I'm in my dysfunctional place. If you can hear what I'm saying. I'm not because Christ lives in me. I'd go tomorrow if I had a choice. If there was an offer, I'd be grabbing it. I'd be like, see ya. (laughs) Can you hear the promise? He's saying to us, you believe in me, you live forever. 
do you believe this? Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, have you received it from a revelation that it's in you, that that truth of Christ, I am the resurrection and the life, I'm in you, it's me. I demonstrated what this all looks like. It's I embody it. And so like I'm living because he came back, didn't he? So he died, rose again, and returned. Does that sound like the church? You die, you get resurrected, you're going to return. If you're in the A team. <laughs> this one, I think, is, is, is unbelievable. Even everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? The Bible says in other scriptures, death, you've lost your sting. Can't hold me down. See, once you know that and that's living in you, it's like everything, crab bites on the foot, persecution, kill me. Who cares? Take my physical life. I don't care. It's not mine anyway. I gave it the day I decided to follow you because I'm moving towards a greater reality because there is no death. It only gets better. I hope you can hear and I hope you're being encouraged. Last one. John fifteen, one and two. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that he bear, that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So it's another picture. Jesus saying, I'm the vine. You think about a tree. If the branch disconnects from the, 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 the vine itself, there's no fruit. So he's saying, I am, I am, I am. Just seven pictures to show you one picture. So he speaks to those that are into forestry and fruit. He speaks to those that are into making doors. He speaks to those, you know, the, 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 the Danny Langstrats of this world that, that work at the funeral homes and stuff. I'm the resurrection and life, the man seeing death all the time. And he speaks in this language. I rise again. It's just a multiple way of looking at this person called Jesus Christ, this, this child that was born to a virgin. Why? As a sign for mankind who laid his life down and said, you know, if you're not in me, there's no fruit. You can try as much as you like, but the fruit that you are eating will go off at some point. Doesn't matter whether the bananas are in my place for three or four days, they go off. The pears go off quicker. Alcohol, yeah, the buzz is good for eight, ten hours. Then we actually drink. And I'd wake up and I'd still have the same achy gut, horrible yuck feeling that I'm not satisfied. I've been there. I've done it. Doesn't work. No life in it. And I have a man saying to me, hey, Greg, I am it. Why are you resisting me? Greg, why are you resisting me?
I'm love. I am the door. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the bread. I am water. Why are you resisting me? And then he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father but through me. That's not just being reconciled. That's the fullness of life in Christ. There are no other ways but through me. And so, how well do you know him? Do you know him at all? And I hope after hearing about who he said he was, because this isn't my theology, this isn't my understanding, all I'm doing is being a mouthpiece who is repeating Jesus' very words that he said. And he promises us, he says, you know what, if you will believe and receive what I say is truth and participate with me, then I promise you I will bring you into the life that I declare for you. Don't believe all the other voices. Don't believe your own voice. Stop believing all the voices that have spoken. Some might be right. Some might be a whole lot of rubbish. Listen to my voice. Listen to what I say. Because I don't know about you, but there are so many manuscripts written about Jesus, more than Julius Caesar. So I'm going to put my money on a guy that did the very thing that no one else has been able to do, which is raise back and continue to live forever. Sure, people have come back from the dead, haven't they? But you know what they all do? Physically? They all die. I've got a guy that says he lives forever. So we do live forever somewhere if we don't know him. But it's not in him, and it's in a place called hell, in the lake of fire, which God does not want any individual to go to. But because we reject him, we place ourselves there. I have people say to me, why would a loving God send people to hell? I said, he doesn't. People send themselves there because they reject the answer. You get what you ask for because you've said no your whole life. I said, it's time to say yes. And so we want to blame him. How did I end up here? Me. How did I end up here? Ah, uh, Because you chose you, Greg. And I was right here, offering you my hand, hand, hand. If you've heard my story, you know more of what I'm talking about. So I rejected him, and then I chose him. And I have, I'm living in a life, I feel like I'm not even touching the ground. I feel so disconnected from things of the earth and connected to him. It's phenomenal, this life in me, in him was life, and that life is the light of men. I tell you, and I can guarantee you right now, in Christ there is passion, purpose, love, meaning, overflow, abundance. Everything he promises is real. And I'm not in all of it, but I'm going for all of it. Not through my own strength, but in the following of him. And he offers mankind not only eternity, but eternal life now. A life forever today. And so is there anyone here, anyone with us today, thanks for coming, that you say, you know what, Greg, I'm ready to make that decision. Jesus said, come follow me. Are you ready to follow him? If you are, I'm going to ask you just to, I'm going to ask you to stand up, actually. 
bold enough of you know. Don't do it if you feel guilty. I only want you to do it if your heart's beating through your chest. Because it'll be the Spirit leading you. Because he wants to partner with you. We don't do it because we feel bad or whatever. We do it because the Holy Spirit is leading you. Is there anyone here this morning that says, you know, Greg, I'm ready. Stuff it. I've tried to do it. I hear what you're saying. Anyone today? I guarantee you. And I get this. I get this fear element. I resisted it for nine years. Oh, I'll be another day. I'll do it tomorrow. Anyone here? Last, last sort of, well, we'll move on. Okay, that's cool. If you want to know more about him, I'll be here afterwards. Just come and have a chat. Uh, email. If you feel more comfortable emailing, any questions, please, greg at the rock.org.nz. Um, I just want to finish on a prayer. Father, I thank you that you are who you are. And I thank you you are true to who you are, even when I'm not. I thank you you're faithful when I say things and I don't follow through. But I thank you that your love and your personhood and your very being is love. And it covers me and it lifts me and edifies me and it changes me. And I thank you for everyone here today. And I pray, Lord, that we've received a measure of you that would be encouraged, that we can go away and eat. And we'd seek you with all our heart, soul, mind and strength for some of those promises to be our reality. That we would live from them knowing, Lord, that when we die, we don't die. We are alive and well. So, Father, I just uh, I pray you'd reveal yourself in us. And I pray for those that may be here with us that don't know you, Lord, that would come to know you. So bless this holiday time. Father, we thank you, but above all, Lord, draw us closer to your son. Lord, draw us to you. Show us incredible things. And may the 25th be like the 26th. And may the 26th be like the 27th. May it be growing. So may 15, which is nothing in our calendar, be more exciting then than it is on the 25th because of the knowledge we carry of you, Father. May it be about you and nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen.